Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by ESPN senior NHL writer. He is Greg Wyshynski joining us here on the show. Greg, how you doing today, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Back from uh, Lake Tahoe over the weekend uh, where the NHL uh, held an event <laughs> of varying degrees of success. Let's, and uh, and it was it was a, it was an interesting time to be to be sure. So let's start with that. I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, let's start with this. How was it? <laughs> how, how was the hockey at Lake Tahoe? Well, once they played, it was good. Um, you know, oh, you I mean think, at eleven think, o'clock at night? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, you got to take it as it comes. I, I think once they shifted the action away from midday. Uh, clearly the ice was better. Um, you know, you didn't hear any complaints from any of the players that played in that nightcap on Saturday or played in that Bruins uh, Flyers game on Sunday. Everyone seemed to be pretty happy with the conditions. And then obviously it was extraordinarily picturesque. I mean, the, the, the footage from yesterday's game where the Bruins and Flyers are playing and you have the mountains and the lake and the sunset at the same time was something, something that's really hard to recapture, I think, when you're playing inside of a football stadium. So, from that aspect, it was fine, but you know, I mean, I think it's clear that they they you know were forced into a window of playing these games based on their broadcast agreement with NBC. They tried to effort playing under an intense midday sun uh, on Saturday, and and it was a disaster. I mean, like you had Alec Martinez from the Vegas Golden Knights saying you could like see the concrete underneath the ice because of how quickly it was melting. So. Um, it, 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 it was, it didn't work <laughs> on Saturday, but I think overall, I mean, the event was, was simply, you know, an, an awesome time. And one of my favorite things, I got a story on ESPN.com right now about the fact that although this was the first NHL outdoor game played without fans, the fans still found a way to attend the game, yep. they used kayaks and canoes and paddle boats and rented charter boats and uh, were able to watch the game from from the lake itself it was pretty cool Yeah, i did think that was pretty cool seeing a couple of guys on jet skis that they just decided <laughs> to rent and get out there to see if any pucks would come flying out luckily i think mark andre Fleury flipped a couple of out there so that's good for those fans greg i'm curious to tie this in with the blues you know you saw two of those top teams in the honda west play the golden knights and the colorado avalanche between those two teams and how they've played this season and what you've seen from the blues what's the biggest difference well, I mean, I think these are two complete teams, and I think they've also gotten you know much better and more consistent goaltending than the Blues have this season as well. Um, you know, in Colorado's case, they're they're finding different ways to win. Um, you know, they're a team that obviously can blow you away offensively when they have all their weapons healthy and cranked up. Um, but you look at what Philip Grubauer has done for them in goal this season, and it's been really impressive to see that they've been able to win games that are, uh, you know, shootouts and games that are a bit played closer a bit to the vest. I think in Vegas's case, 
they're still a team that, that wants to win a little bit closer to the vest in most cases. You know, they've got some offense on that roster, to be sure. But the strength of that team has in Marc-Andre Fleury and goal. The strength of that team is having, you know, an Alex Petrangelo and a Shea Theodore on the ice uh, for most of the game to, uh, to really lock down things from the blue line. Um, so, you know, they've got some offensive weaponry, but not on the level of Colorado. I think that Vegas, I think, you know, wants to win games a little bit closer to, uh, to a lower score than Colorado does. Greg, do you think the NHL continues exploring with things like what we saw over this weekend? I mean, maybe it's not specifically Lake Tahoe in the future, but it started out with the Winter Classic, and we've got all of these football stadiums that have been in use here in St. Louis. We had it at Bush Stadium. Do you think they continue kind of trying to push the boundaries on what the Winter Classic or these outdoor series, these games could look like? I really hope so. I mean, I, I, I wrote about this last Thursday in my column about how there is so many different possibilities now if the NHL was to explore this, you know, no or limited fan capacity games. You could talk about Central Park in New York City. You could talk about the National Mall of Washington, D.C. There's been some pie-in-the-sky discussions already from the NHL about maybe holding a game at Mount Rushmore, which would have been really cool. That'd be awesome. But, you know, and, yeah, it'd be awesome. But it, but in hearing Gary Bettman talk about it yesterday uh, at the game, uh, it, it's pretty clear that the the modus operandi for the National Hockey League is to play outdoor games with tons and tons of fans in the building. And you know, it, it really does come down to the money they can squeeze out of these events. You, you looked around yesterday at Lake Tahoe, and you know there was a lot of signage for sponsors. And obviously, I think Bridgestone had its name on the game and. You know, there are ways you can monetize uh, an event like that, but for the money it costs to put it on um, and all of the other things, I, I think the NHL is much more comfortable trying to pack 45,000 people into a stadium. And then more importantly, uh, having all of the, the things around the game. That was the huge difference between yesterday's game and something like the Winter Classic. There was no, you know, fan village where all the sponsors get to do their activations. There was no giant... Uh, facility where they were selling $30, $30 hats, you know, like the amount of money that they make uh, in these ancillary revenue streams at a, an outdoor game that's, you know, a winter classic or a stadium series game simply didn't exist at the Tahoe game. And I feel like that's that's really where the NHL, um, you know, hurts itself beyond not being able to get any ticket revenue from the game. Yeah, my wife still reminds me of how much money I spent at that Winter Classic in St. Louis. So <laughs> I, I remember all of that, Greg. Uh, we're talking with Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer for ESPN. Greg, one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on and talk with you today is because uh, Justin Falk, he has been playing some impressive hockey for the St. Louis Blues. And we got into a discussion a couple of days ago talking about Justin Falk. And I know this seems outlandish because it's so early on and some of the names that are on this list. But I'm starting to wonder if you bring Justin Falk's name up when you discuss Norris Trophy for the hot way that he's played for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, he's been great. And, and I think in, in for many of us, much better than expected. I mean, you know, obviously when they committed to him with that contract, uh, most of the reaction was, well, what does that mean for Alex Petrangelo? And, and it ended up meaning that he was no longer a member of the St. Louis Blues. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I think he's held up his end of the bargain this season in a way that, um, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of us didn't expect. I mean, I think he's been beyond expectation, uh, holding down for it on a, on a blue line that's certainly seen its, you know, share of adversity. You know, obviously now with Pareko being out and, and, uh, and such. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Norris Trophy race, is going to be a really interesting one, to be honest with you, um, for a couple of reasons. One, 
is the fact that you do have last year's um, you know Calder Trophy guys that have now graduated to become um, you know big names in the Norris race. I think Quinn Hughes is going to struggle a little bit because defensively he's not had a good season. But and then the the issue with Kale McCarr is maybe the number of games he's going to end up playing because otherwise I think he's going to have a huge amount of support for the Norris Trophy. But the real twist on this thing. Uh, and, it, it's not, and it's not only the Norris, but it's the other uh, awards as well, is the fact that you have these intra-division schedules. So, you know, every time I do a radio hit in Canada, the entire conversation is, hey, what's going on in these other divisions? Because they're not watching. Like, they're just watching the all-Canada division. They don't even care about it, the other divisions. So I think you're going to run into an issue right now where some players like Jeff Petrie, for example, from the Montreal Canadiens, had a really good season. He's second in the league right now in scoring amongst defensemen. That's a guy who might get a little bit more support for the Norris Trophy than you know somebody else in another division would because so many of the Canadian writers and voters for these awards are focused on that division versus uh, any of the other ones. So we're talk- go ahead, go ahead, BK, go on. We're talking to Greg Wyshynski of ESPN here on 101 ESPN. Greg, I did want to follow up with another question about a blue and how he kind of fits into the big picture of the NHL this season, because Jordan Cairo has been a revelation here in St. Louis, seven goals thus far in his 18 games. What have you made of his kind of breakout season this year? And when you look at the way that he's produced compared to some of the other young players across the league, should, should we be taking him more seriously as kind of a, a top six winger for the blues moving forward? Sure. And yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about Kyrie recently because um, there's been a lot written uh, in the last week about the situation at Buffalo and how, oh, how it's not, it's, it's not going well there. And I'll always go back to that O'Reilly trade and, and think about <laughs> the, the, the job that Doug Armstrong did in, um, in, in holding on to not only Jordan Kyrie, but, but Robert Thomas in that deal. Um, and then having Cage Thompson be the, uh, the, the prospect that went the other way. I mean, I mean, as as much as O'Reilly has been incredible for the team, I mean that that's a, a, another part of that trade that I think was uh, awfully beneficial in the long run for St. Louis was knowing which pieces they wanted to jettison uh, and which ones they wanted to hang on to. I, I think I think Kyrie's case, I mean, offensively, it's been an incredible season for him uh, so far. I still think that he has some of the symptoms that you see for a younger player. I mean, if if you look inside his analytics. Um, from ex- as far as expected goals against at five on five, it's still below water, right? You know, sea uh, level right now for Cairo. So, uh, yeah, listen, I-, I think being a top six forward is an all encompassing job. I think he's clearly shown on the offensive end that he's got the goods. Um, and it may just be a situation where you just need a younger player to get a little bit better defensively before you can really start depending on him in, in key situations. Greg, my final one I wanted to get to with you is, is you mentioned Colton Pareko's name, and obviously that's the big talk right now in St. Louis with the news that Jeremy Rutherford's reporting of it looking like it could be a back injury. With Colton Pareko's absence, where do you think this Blues team can be? Because, of course, he was supposed to be this alpha dog for the Blues this season. Well, yeah, and I mean, I, I think that – in watching the Blues on a couple of occasions, you know it's it's obvious that the defensive side of things uh, could be a little bit tighter. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is that you're talking about a St. Louis team that is very um, below average as far as goals against this season. I mean, I think they last time I checked, they were close to being in the bottom ten. I mean, that might have improved a little bit since then. Uh, and Pareko's ineffectiveness this season has certainly been a part of that. So. 
you know, when he went out uh, initially last week, I, I saw some Blues fans reacting in a curious way, which was, hey, this is a good thing. And I'm like, why is this a good thing? And it turned <laughs> out that I hadn't really looked inside the numbers on Pareko and seen how, you know, un like he's been. So maybe in the long run, the, the good thing is to take an ineffective player out of the lineup um, and then hope that he comes back and, and becomes the, the effective guy that you expect him to be. He's Greg Wyshynski. Find his work over on ESPN.com. Had a great wrap-up article from Lake Tahoe over there. You can read it all at ESPN.com. Greg, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That is Greg Wyshynski joining us here on 101 ESPN. It's twelve sixteen. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I find what he had to say about the awards to be really interesting because I can feel that here in St. Louis as well. I'm not paying attention to anything that is taking place in the central in the east in the north. I'm focused entirely on, hey, what's going on with Vegas? What's going on with Colorado right now? Because those are the direct teams that the Blues have to compete against for seeding in the playoffs. And so it, it really does come down to what is your division doing? And you see so much of them that you just become super familiar with the players and the storylines that are surrounding the guys that are in your same division. That's why more than anything this year, it's going to come down to make the people that are voting are going to have to be paying attention to everything. And he's right. You know, a lot of these national writers are paying attention, but it's also the beat writers, the people that are a part of the pro hockey writers association. They're the ones voting on these awards. And if you're not paying attention, like if you're not like Jeremy Rutherford's a great example, he votes on these. If you're not paying attention to the Canadian division, how are you going to be able to vote on that because a lot of people would pick Jeff Petrie as an Orr's Trophy candidate this year for how good he's playing but a lot of don't pay attention to that because you're not watching at 9 o'clock at night when they're going head to head. It's tough. You see this in other sports as well. Uh, Guys that are on the East Coast that are filing ballots for all-star games in the NBA they see a whole heck of a lot less of the players that are out on the West Coast because they're playing four hours later. So that becomes difficult as well. So it, this is not exclusive to the NHL, but the way that things are set up this year, it certainly yeah. makes things more difficult than a normal season. Coming up next, I think there's a clear similarity between Yadier Molina and Nolan Arenado. And the longer that he's in a Cardinals uniform, the more we're going to see of it. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN.